free advice. 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 Would you like free advice? Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Forever. What do you do when you want to make a good podcast episode, but your brain is off? Make a bad podcast episode. Yeah, I guess so. You want to do that? No. Why not? Let's make a bad episode. We can talk about disappointing our, our ourselves and our listeners. Let's do it. I'm talking about it right now. How about you? Okay. I think we've started. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I like, it's like, as soon as it's like, okay, the setup and it's like green light. I'm just like. Where is this light you're referencing? Metaphorically. Okay. Well, it's, I guess the record button is what was traditionally more of a red light. Um, yeah, I don't feel on. I don't feel like I have enough internal energy or mojo or conviction mm-hmm. to even care about going on. I feel stuck in apathy due to overwhelm. I feel the same to a lesser degree proportional to, I think how much I uh, repress emotions compared to you. Mm. You think you rep- repress emotions more or less? Yeah, than more. I, I think that's just my yeah. conditioning. Yeah. Partly as a boy, partly as uh, putting my needs second to other people's in the right. ways that I have traditionally. What do you feel like you've been repressing? Mm, anger, uh, loneliness, sadness, anxiety, shame. You know, the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, re- I repress anger quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like that's why when something does trigger me, sometimes it gets a disproportional, I mean, this is true of everyone, a disproportional um, reaction because it's like all the other things that I should have been angry about that I wasn't yeah. that now have like this tiny crack to come through. What triggered you? What was the last thing that anger got to express into? What was the thing that happened? I often don't feel like, like we were sort of talking about earlier, like it's like there's never something clear cut enough where I can really just be justifiably angry. Like I had this dream where my mom finally did something where I felt entitled to like yell and scream at her. And I did. And it felt so fucking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and life, life just isn't like that. It's just not as clear cut. There's the, there's always like the person on the other end of that always feels justified in in their side of it. Um, but I guess the thing that, that, um, that I can point to most concretely and most recently is um, I'm, I'm struggling to, um, get my rights back from this producer that I worked with when I started making my EP. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he, uh, treated me unfairly. And I believe that I overpaid 
for the percentage of rights that I retained. Um, and the, the stems or, you know, the, the sounds themselves that we made He's ripping you to off. get that. Yeah. And then he wants me to buy the rest of them back and he's trying to charge more than the percentage like of the valuation that we've already established that that percentage is worth based on the other part of the deal. And I don't need, I I think that part of the reason I've, I feel like I can be angry in this situation is because I'm not, I'm not the one pushing for those, the remainder of those rights. He's the one that wants them. He, he wants the money for them and I'm in no rush. Um, and so I kind of took that opportunity to be like, look, I've always tried to deal with you in a way that I felt is kind and generous and assumes the best of you. And I don't feel like I've that's been reciprocated. And basically no way in hell am I going to pay you. Am I going to double what I've already paid you for 70% of the rights for the remaining 30%? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, but yet he still felt entitled to his response. <laughs> Which was <laughs> that, you know, he's charging X, Y, and Z for tracks with other people. And I'm basically like, well, I don't care. Like you, mm-hmm. we, we already did this. And, um, you know, I said that I needed more time to think about it. And I said, basically, this is about what I want to pay. And at the moment, I'm just not pressured to go back into that discussion because I don't, I, there's no impetus for me. Um, I'm proceeding with the right split as it is. I get uh, very angry about people shaming other people into paying something. I'm like, well, other people are doing this. Don't you know that it's worth it? And and acting insulted that I might offer less than that. Yes. It's a huge, it's a very prevalent tactic for people to make money of. And, and I go into a lot of things with that mindset of, well, what do other people pay for this thing? I'm going to part with whatever amount they ask for, and I'll just make other sacrifices in my life right. to make this thing happen. Right. But I had a high school econ teacher who said, things are only worth what you're willing to pay for them to you. Yeah. So when you're at the grocery store and you don't want to spend $5 on a gallon of milk, ask them, if you can pay three and people are like, you can do that at the grocery store. He's like, yeah, they can say no. They you will. Can, you can, <laughs> and Generally. sometimes they will. The, the, there's this book called the rejection rejection proof or the rejection roof. Fuck. I don't know. It was okay. a Duke teacher. I read about it in the Duke magazine <laughs> that I did for alumni. Wow. He, his assignment was go out and get turned down. Go ask for right, something from right. a business owner and ask for a free bagel for breakfast or whatever at, at, at a store. Yeah. And the surprising results that many of the students had was they actually got the things that they thought that they wouldn't get. Yeah. And they had to try for a while to get turned down with the request. Um, yeah. So I, I'm happy that you're asking for what you want or, or saying no to his request. Yeah. Uh, yeah that shit sucks. Yeah. I, and I, and I generally, I think why I feel like I wait until something is like so foolproof is because I really crumble under someone coming back to me and being like, you're wrong. Cause I already feel so kind of sensitive and putting mm. myself out there in this way. And I always, I always like to assume the best of people 
and to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I don't like to go into situations expecting that they're they're being an asshole or being self-interested or trying to rip me off. Um, but yeah, I've just had a lot of experiences, especially lately, where that's proven not to be the case. Like when I was I was just in London for 10 days and on the last night, our rental car got broken into and the back window got smashed and our bags got stolen out of the back. Mm. And I find those experiences so crushing. I guess I, I'm reading into them way more of, but, but it just, it presents that extra layer of like, when you expect society to operate a certain way and then it doesn't, you have to like reevaluate every other thing. Yeah. <laughs> you have to change your whole schema about what people do, what people are like. It's a reminder. Oh, somebody doesn't give a fuck about me. Right. Somebody yeah. has chosen yeah, yeah, yeah. that my pain doesn't mean anything to them. Not yeah. enough for them to uh, say, fuck this person. I care about their, their property or what I can sell their shit for. And I don't care what kind of pain it causes them enough to not do this thing. So I'm just going to take it. And it's 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 like there's even less thought than that, which is even more crazy. To it's, me. it's, it's even a, more a lack of consideration. It's, they they yeah. didn't go through all that process. It just it what would come up to me. The reason that I wouldn't steal somebody if I found a wallet on the street that I wouldn't just take it. I would look for the ID and look around to see is there somebody here, is because I have care. empathy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, get, I imagine myself in that situation and what yeah. I would want, and I think yeah. it's the right thing to do. And somebody doesn't have that program running. I, um, man, it's uh, disheartening. It's it's like so disheartening. Fuck humanity. Fuck that. Yeah. These people that don't care. I've now more than one time (laughs) dropped my wallet on the street Yeah, (laughs) and had it returned to me. You got a slippery wallet, girl. I do. I'm, I'm just a slippery eel. Um, but (laughs) you're an eel. Like, I don't know. No hands to hold my wallet. <laughs> Just swimming through life, yeah. not worried about my appendages. Um, but the, so the second time uh, it was returned to me and the person who returned it uh, said, you know, they looked inside it and there wasn't any cash. And I, I'm pretty confident that that's not the person who took the cash, but it might have been. It might have been. Is, is that what you're wondering? It might have been. No, it's not what I'm wondering at oh. all. But I was going to say almost there's something about that crime, though, that almost like is acceptable to oh, me. for sure. Because it's like I am careless. The- I dropped my wallet. What the thief did is they took the cash out of it and then left it. They didn't give me the added inconvenience of just taking everything. Running out they just took what was useful to, to them. cancel all of your credit cards Exa- and then re- get a new ID. reset up your all yeah, that bullshit. Going to DMV. Yeah, somebody who steals your driver's license and doesn't use it, who just throws the wallet away, or yeah, that's an extra level of fuck you to the victim that I right. find repulsive. That yeah. just taking my money, okay, yeah, you can go and buy food with that. But if you right. if you add inconvenience to me for just because it's easier for you, slightly to take grab the whole wallet and then throw it away, and then later ditch it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had my ID stolen, my identity stolen, and I'm still getting mail from like, really? oh yeah, yeah, I got a um, unemployment benefits <laughs> notification. I'm like, fuck, this person's uh, applying for unemployment under my name. Good like, lord. Yeah, it sucks. I trust the institutions enough that like, if this is something that hurts my credit score, or hurts my ability to get a loan or something, I can be like, oh no, that actually wasn't me. My ID was stolen. I can show you the police report. 
Uh, it's just going to be a headache, though. The next thing that yeah. I get, you know, say not approved for a credit card because of a credit score issue. It's like, yeah. Oh, well, that, please mark these things from my record. Strike them because that wasn't me. Yeah. It's some asshole who looks enough like me to use my ID in several stores. Uh, I went around following him that morning. Did As you? the charges came up my credit card, I was in some vigilante justice, like, I'm going to hunt this fucker down. I'm going to find what do I? What do I say when I see him? Yeah. Am I ready to fight this person? Yeah, no. what would you do? How would you confront them? Uh, I would probably follow them and call the police. Okay. I would like not uh, uh, approach them and let them know who I was and just follow them on foot with the cops on the phone. And yeah. I don't know that they're going to come rushing out like, oh, yeah, this is a guy who found someone who stole his <laughs> Turn on all the sirens, get all the squad cars. You know, probably yeah. not. So I, I think I'm I would surprised. have to, to talk to the person. Yeah. I think I would have to yeah. say, hey, buddy, listen, man, you don't want to hurt me. <laughs> so you try to play. appeal to him. That's my general fucking lower myself, be a little sad puppy strategy. Yeah. I don't think that's the right move in this case. Especially I think it not is aggression. for someone who probably doesn't on, care about your like, mm. although it's kind of like a pussy crime to steal someone's steal identity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is such a it probably, it probably depends on how much it, I think that I can take this person. Does it seem like they have a weapon? And if mm. they don't, does it seem like I'm bigger than them? I, can I cancel myself? Cause I just Cance- called that a canceled. pussy crime and I don't want to propagate the use of feminine language as yeah. being wimpy. Uh, explain what pussy crimes are. If you would. <sighs> What did that mean to you when you made the mistake of saying it? When I said it, I uh, was doing something that I would definitely criticize someone else for doing, which is equating like uh, taking an action that is um, in some way cowardly mm-hmm. by not because I think stealing someone's identity allows you to operate under, you know, the freedom of operating with a mask like you're doing something as someone else you're it's not committing akin to a crime going to a you. masquerade ball and <laughs> taking your ego off for the night and letting your desires run wild sure right right <laughs> he's doing that with his whole life now but rob yeah. zaleski is the id he's using for that mask but as if like they're but like the criminals who in by my my calculation here are not doing it, quote unquote, the pussy way and showing their faces. Like oh, those yeah. are the criminals are getting caught. Uh, the so, ones who are just mugging me on the street, <laughs> the who coming out with a gun and being like, give me all your money, fuck yeah. face. Yeah. And they're like, my full name is Bob Smith and mm-hmm. I'm mugging you. <laughs> Here's my address. Come to my house. Here's when I sleep. <laughs> fuck yeah, me yeah, up. Try. Yeah. yeah. But at least I'm not a pussy crime committer. <laughs> yeah. Criminal. <laughs> what What is a non-pussy? Is this a dick crime committer? <laughs> is that a better way Rape? to be? <laughs> I don't know. Dick crime. Um, yeah, no. So I just, yeah, I wasn't listening to what you were saying after I said that. Cause I was like, mm. fuck, I hate that. I just said that. Um, but yeah, but I'm the other What's thing the I best? want to interject with yeah, though yeah. is before we get too far away from it is I'm, I question your sentence of that. You trust institutions. I feel like generally I, I have more. Here's what uh, I trust. Uh, I trust I trust if banks. I didn't use my credit card. Somebody else stole it and bought something that's ten thousand dollars. Right. That, that I won't actually have to pay that ten thousand dollars. Right. I right. trust that like there's enough security in place that that can't just happen to me, and then I'm saddled with that yeah. bill that, that I can happens, show them. I think for credit versus maybe even versus checking. Yeah, I think so. There's more protection there. Yeah, if they also had my PIN number and mm. my debit card, then I'd be fucked for anything in my checking account. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 
think that's but, a bigger problem. But actually, I, I think that I did get all of that back. I, I didn't lose did any you? money. There was that's there amazing. were charges that were listed and then everything was reimbursed to me by the bank. I think that they have wow. protection in place for that. That's great. But I guess um, I'm I'm bemused maybe mm-hmm. by me trusting institutions that you tr- say you trust institutions. Cause I think I trust, I get more um, frustrated when people, individual people let people down versus institutions. I expect to be let down by institutions. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I know that they're fucking me over a certain amount <laughs> with like the just unexpected fees of uh-huh. like, oh, your balance dipped too low. So now you get, you have to even have less money in it because you didn't have enough money. And it's like, uh, did you ever explain that to me? What, <laughs> where, what gives you the right to just take $15 out of my account because it dipped below a thousand dollars or whatever, uh, you know? And don't you know, that's already my chief issue that I don't have yeah, enough money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My improv, can I do a quick tangent? My improv of team course. was discussing a punishment for if you don't come to enough shows, you have to skip a show. Mm. And I was like, that, that doesn't seem to make sense. Like <laughs> you haven't been at shows, so you don't get to be at shows. <laughs> like, uh, They're like, check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if the problem is that this person hasn't been in enough shows, we shouldn't take them out of the shows they can, they do want to come to. <laughs> Um, so yeah, not having enough money's penalty being you have even less money. That shit sucks. But unfortunately the world is full of those taxes on the poor mm-hmm. that it's fucking expensive to be broke. Not that I am, but in yeah. the, in the ways that I momentarily am or that I mismanage money and then I suffer those consequences. Right. It's like, fuck, this is rigged. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's why. I'm excited that the next president of the United States is going to be Bernie motherfucking Sanders. <laughs> yeah, tell the people what they're going to get with Bernie Sanders. With Bernie, have you ever ridden a horse and it was just too bumpy? Uh-huh. Horses are going to fucking glide. He's going to be putting roller skates on those hooves. He's gonna... You're not going to have to ice your pubic bone later. No. He's going to he's going to give you a cold press depends he's you're gonna we're all gonna be able to just shit our pants it's gonna have some type of a nice smell lock technology that he's gonna develop for himself he's pretty old yeah just yeah yeah yeah. he's already incontinence might be an issue for him during his presidency if it's not already yeah um and and that shit's gonna go mainstream you know people are gonna start as a halloween costume like yeah i'll be bernie sanders and i'll do the hair thing and i'll do the voice and uh, to really go all the way with it i'll wear a diaper but and then, then you just realize that the convenience so of diapers convenient. <laughs> <laughs> where are the places that diapers are the most convenient movies. for adults? movies movie theaters it's right at the good part notice how your bladder seems to act up <laughs> near the most interesting the first thing in the movie that wasn't in the trailer is also the thing you really have to pee on uh-huh uh-huh well not anymore. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> matter. Diapers. Um, I think festivals is a great application. Festivals. You've got a front row spot. You want a little space from everybody else. You don't want to wait in line for a porter potty. Don't want to wait. Ew, gross. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot more acceptable to pee in the diaper than it is to fester in the poop. Oh, yeah. No, that's. But you have a longer window of like how long you can go in your life without pooping versus peeing. Maybe you. you mine poop more than mine you are pee? a lot more similar than most people. Some people go days without pooping. I, I poop at least half as much as I pee. 
if I'm okay, at, so a, a typical day. Yeah, yeah. But still. most people, it's like a four to one ratio, I think. Hmm. And I'm like a two to one. Okay. Wow. Pins to poops. Wow. How's that treating you? I love it. That's great. I love not carrying shit around all day. Mm-hmm. Like get it out and then be lightweight and free and feel like I'm floating again. What is the figurative shit that you are carrying around right now that's weighing you down that you wish you could just poop out into your diaper and then approximately immediately get rid of? Well, if it was easy for me to say, I would have already said it and it wouldn't mm. be in there anymore. Mm. Yeah, stuff that's locked up in shame and fear for other people's feelings mm-hmm. that I'm not going to say now, but I, I could guess. And off air, I could probably give you some some clues. But, sure. you know, it wouldn't be in there if it was just something that I could. I think I'm aware of the things that I'm still not able to let go of mm-hmm. in many cases. Some I'm sure there are blind spots. Of, but Of course. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, I'm I'm often aware of like, I would be a lot lighter if I wasn't so attached to living my life this way. And yet you keep sowing those seeds. Yeah. Um, less and less, I think. But you have to reach that threshold point where you're like, I'm fucking done with this. What are the best ways for a person to discover? Mm. What are the ways you've discovered the things that you're not letting go of? The things that you used to be blind to about yourself. Mm. And then you found out, oh, I have this issue or I have this thing that I'm carrying yeah. around. I didn't know this rock was in my shoe. Yeah. I need to take my shoe off and dump the pebble out. Yeah. How do you I, find out about those? How do you find out about those? So um, one answer is that lately I have felt certain things about me have been reflected back to me by multiple people in multiple settings yeah. and situations. And so that- People you trust their opinions on these topics? People who- not necessarily, yeah. because if you have like some trustworthy sources and some random sources that you don't know if you can trust yet, it's kind of like, well, they're not all getting together, deciding like we're going to tell her that this is her biggest mm-hmm. problem. Um, I think that, you know, it's it becomes something to look at, whether it's true or not. It becomes something to go, OK, now I'm aware that this might be a rock in my shoe because this person, this person and this person have all had issues with it or just brought it to my attention. It might not even be necessarily like a terrible thing. What if Um, the world is wrong though? What if it's just all these strangers are, what if we live in a world that is sick in this way and you happen to be right, but everybody else, you know, is is criticizing you in uh, 1770 for not owning any slaves. (laughs) Come on, you're losing productivity without having slaves. And you're like, oh man, even strangers who don't know each other are criticizing me in this way. Yeah. Should I just go along with it? I have really struggle to make this differentiation a lot of times mm-hmm. because I think I have a lot of strong, long held principles that are connected to deep values that I have or connected to my ego or the way that I've run my life for a long time. And I do think that part of me resists letting go of them because I believe in them. Um, But I also know that we defend against things sometimes that really aren't serving us to the extent we think they are or that there's compromises to be made. Um, And so I tend to look at, you know, if 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 someone says, like, there's a rock in your shoe, just for example, and I'm not sure whether I agree or whether 
the rock is like big enough to warrant taking my shoe off to Mm -hmm. examine it. Um, But it's like either way, whatever it is, it's like if I. They'd probably say you're walking funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They wouldn't yeah, 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 be yeah. able to identify right, right. the rock as this, you know, unless they have insider knowledge of your shoe. <laughs> Listen, I have X-ray shoe vision, and I can see right through that rubber sole. <laughs> and it, not a coincidence that I have a foot fetish, so this really works out for me. <laughs> I actually built this technology to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I got the implants, <laughs> the ocular uh, implants, and everything, and I got a boner all day. <laughs> so, it's okay. So let's say someone points that out to me, right? Yeah, you're walking. And funny. I'm walking. And I can't feel the stone, mm-hmm. right? And I'm. it might be a boot. It might be something that's really difficult to unlace. The first person that tells mm-hmm. me, I might go like, eh, like either it's not bothering me or you're just not perceiving it accurately and I'm fine with this. No, Whatever it is, I'm fine with this. you have a rock in your shoe. Yeah, you have a rock. You check that out. Look in the mirror, you walk rock funny. boy. I walk right. <laughs> um, but if someone else tells me, then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm at least compelled to go through the labor of unlacing my shoe slipping it off my foot, mm. taking a look, maybe shaking it out a little bit. And then let's say that I uh, r- discover that it's it's there's some piece of material, but I'm not sure if it's a piece of material that I really want to separate from. Mm. Again, in the case of a rock and a shoe. Get rid of it. But what's something you could right? find in a shoe that you, <laughs> you want to keep in there? Maybe it's a nickel. A nickel. A I lucky nickel. Sure. A lucky nickel. So it's like, right. So it's like, is the inconvenience of the nickel being wedged up against my heel worth uh, the funny ambulation? Um, Is it something I want to hold on to or something I want to let go of? It's something that may have had value to me. Yeah. Um, Five cents. Five, exactly five (laughs) cents worth of value. Um, Not in this economy. (laughs) Dump that nickel. Oh, no. A nickel is what? A penny? What is a nickel worth now? One cent? (laughs) I think that's what they say. <laughs> it's basically All a speck of dust. Worth <laughs> less than a cent now. Something like that. Um, the metaphor doesn't really stretch as far as I'm trying to pull it. But like my point is you have to examine whatever this object is, whatever this potential obstacle to your unimpeded gate is. And sometimes it's something you're not ready to let go of mm-hmm. or you're not sure yet so the thing that i'm specifically talking about maybe just segue into something real rather than pushing this nickel (laughs) thing way past its limit um but yeah so i have been sort of clinging to maybe stubbornness i'm i'm not really sure it's hard to, to say. stubbornness. That seems like a redundant statement. Yeah, 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 yeah. The clinging could be the stubbornness <laughs> itself. What are you clinging to? What are you um, stubborn about? So a few things. Um, I, I have a, uh, someone supporting me with stuff with music, particularly the, my artist brand mm-hmm. right now. And I've been struggling to kind of disconnect what, what I've drilled this problem down to is that I'm struggling to disconnect my ego, my identity from this sort of um, false ego or artist ego, artist persona. And so it's really hard for me to completely put that in someone else's hands and allow other people to interpret that as me, even though it's not, you know 
me standing here flesh and blood and and me standing here flesh and blood is that even me what is mm-hmm. me who am i anyway <laughs> i don't know it, it i'm getting the feedback that i need to let go take it less personally and um step away let other people kind of do their jobs and i i do think that's right in principle but um it doesn't make it easier and then i also i think it's a point by point thing right like you maybe. could outsource every part of your life you could have someone else do your taxes and that probably doesn't really threaten your identity right i do that it doesn't (laughs) you could have someone write christmas cards for you might threaten your identity a little bit more this is meant to be like a connection you could have somebody um run your online dating profile Mm. and set up your dates and text people good night i love you whatever the (laughs) thing you know text people little flirtatious pictures of you or something now does that feel like something that you want to outsource i think it depends on the expectation like if that person person? yes if that person knows Mm. that i have employed someone else to do this and they're not they're not being sort of fooled let's say into thinking that this is me Um, like I, one of the things that I've, I've struggled with is, um, you know, now this other, this person outside of me is posting for my social media. Yeah. This is exactly what I've hired them to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't want to be in charge of that. When I see a Facebook status update from you, it's somebody else. Uh, yeah. If it's money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't post. Um, and that you're saying is okay because people don't expect it to be you. You're, you're being transparent about that. But well, you, I don't know. This is it's gray area for me because uh, I think that people mostly are under the impression that it would be me. I mean, when I look at like an artist's feed or something, you kind of especially if they're not big, they're just an individual. That's where I am at. I'm just an individual at this moment. And so there's something that feels inauthentic about that to me. Um, but if I'm looking at Rihanna's feed, I'm not expecting that she's the one who's. Exactly. Sitting there designing polls for her fans to say which is their favorite yeah. of her songs. Right. Right. And I don't know. There's something that feels a little deceptive about that to me, which maybe is just something I need to let go and say, no, this is like part of the industry. This is allowing you to focus on the things that you should be focusing on that you actually enjoy, like making the music, writing the mm-hmm. songs and going out there and singing them. Um, but I th- yeah, I think it's I think it's that deceptiveness where I I want to present an authentic brand, and to me it seems to go against that. Even though in an ideal world, I don't want to be worrying about what I'm posting on social media. I want to be outsourcing that. Um, another frontier that's coming up to be outsourced is like who styles me at the moment. I style myself. I cut my own hair. I color my own hair. I choose my own clothes. I, you know, I do all of that stuff. And that's all a curation of how I reflect my energy out into the world. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard maybe also to acknowledge, like, I'm not as good at this as someone else might be in terms of conveying a certain thing. Yeah. Styling yourself like you don't, you're not a trained Stylist, right. somewhat you are. Right. You, you know more than you did as a child, but it's not your profession. Some people <laughs> know yeah. all of the tricks to uh, cause a person to come off a certain way and help right. them craft an impression. And I think it's it's okay to ask for help with those things. Yeah. Sometimes asking for help 
leads to you expending more effort on this thing that you were hoping to spend yes. less on. Yes. And the communication between you and the other person becomes a bigger energy suck than just doing it yourself or just not doing it or just. I think that that's what I'm hoping to avoid too. Yeah. And when you say it that way too, it reminds me of like, I have a real, when I look back, you know, at early childhood stuff, it's very, very scary really to put anything in anyone else's hands. Mm -hmm. um, I was forced to be dependent on people for so long. Um, I was um, forced to. Can you yeah, talk more I, about I that? was. Yeah, yeah, is, definitely. Is by Thanks. nature of being a child or um, by nature of being a child, by the, the way that I was parented, I was very sheltered and controlled and, you know, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things that would have helped me to develop the skills and doing them independently. Um, and so I think I have this kind of reactive way about me now where I, if I can do it myself, I want to, because it's so scary to go, no, here, you do this for me, making me dependent on you. Mm -hmm. I, I struggle with that in personal relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, any, you name it. I struggle with it. <laughs> um, I like to be a one woman show. Surrendering the mm -hmm. trusting another person with making them responsible for something that you care about. And then, and then that's the lens through which someone breaking into your rental car is so scary. Mm. Um, Explain that connection. Because it, it reminds me that people have ulterior motives yeah. and are not looking out for your best interest. I mean, in this case, of course it's a stranger. And I did try to remind myself when that incident happened, like, look, I have so much abundance in my life and so much support and, you know, financially, emotionally, all these things. And I'm able to recover from this. Yeah. The person who did this clearly had a lot of need and was frightened. And, you know, does their, does their motivation, matter to your emotional reaction like if you could yes. it's an ambiguous yeah so can yes. you imagine what's the story that makes this the most painful for you and what's the one mm. that gives you the most forgiveness for them that's an interesting question um the story that makes it most painful well one thing that is f freaky about this is that we know that the robbery happened about 30 minutes after we left the car mm -hmm. and so presumably that and it was in daylight so we assumed that that person was watching us and then made sure we were gone and then did it because they saw us put the bags in the trunk um was and, there any other ruffling searching through the no they smashed the back and grabbed the bags okay and got the fuck took off on a motorbike um this is footage the neighbor saw because mm. he heard a car alarm go off came out when we went back I knocked on the door that was like right next to where we parked and he said he came out. It was four o'clock. He saw the guy go away on what he assumed was a stolen motorcycle because of the way that the type of license plate, whatever. Um, Did he get the license plate number? No. Mm. Um, I think he 
he just make, made an assumption there. He's doing better than I'd expect already. It was amazing. I literally, yeah. I knocked on his door and he answered the door. And the first thing he says is, I saw everything. <laughs> this was <laughs> seven hours later when we Whoa. came back to the car. I know. I was really impressed. Cool. He was a that's, really nice guy. That's kind of the silver light. Like, yeah. people aren't all bad. Here's somebody who cared. Yes. When somebody else didn't. Yeah. I mean, he thought it was his car. But, yes, <laughs> totally. And in a way it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, the real silver lining, too, of it was that you know, I was with my partner at the time and both mm-hmm. of our bags were stolen out of the car and we, it was a really scary experience for both of us, but we saw a, we got to see each other in that light of supporting each other mm-hmm. through this thing um, and being able to lean on each other to figure out, okay, what's the next step that we should do and how do we handle this? How do we handle that? And keeping, keeping ourselves calm and, you know, as clear headed as possible. It was, it was weirdly overall almost a positive experience except for the fact that you know it cost a bunch of money (laughs) to to get the rental car repaired and to replace the items in it but luckily nothing was super irreplaceable or super um valuable but yeah it really was like this just a moment where like the fiber of the world is just ruptured for Mm -hmm. you um it puts you in a faith crisis. I think those are, uh, I'm trying to craft this politely or in a way that doesn't minimize the pain of it. Yeah. Those are good. They are. Things for community and like that we have a need to be challenged and for the world to be turned upside down in little ways and in big ways. Totally. Thinking about the fire bombings of London and how everybody was missing them after it happened or like mm. post 9-11 New York. The, exactly. the worst things that you can think of happening, people shortly after it's over miss that experience of everybody was really looking out for each other when we knew that there was a yeah. threat. And when we, I think that that's like, I think that's in our DNA. I think that uh, yeah. we we came up in tribes where there were predators and there were other tribes that were threats to us. And that was how we felt valuable. And that was when we really felt alive was when there was a threat of death, when the, there was a threat of Oh, there's something big and bad out there that's coming for us, and we gotta look out for each other. We gotta have yeah. each other's backs because alone we're vulnerable. It forces a deep connection that mm-hmm. without that kind of trauma you don't have. And there's no impetus. Without it, I think people focus on things that, by comparison, seem frivolous, like right. fashion right. trends. Right. People. I talk to people who their their big passion in life is like making a cool looking thing, <laughs> and. <laughs> Mine's not that different. Mine's making a cool sounding thing. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It, it, it feels frivolous. Like, yeah, I feel it takes like, you for away from things that are really important and vital. Exactly. And, and maybe fashion is like, it's a part of self-expression. It's a part of like uh, people growing their identity, like expressing themselves and representing new ideas and a shorthand for like, hey, I'm this way now. I, re- I represent this different way of doing things. Mm-hmm. You can tell by looking at me in the way that I've decorated myself. Right, right. It's important only on a relative scale. Yeah. It, it... When you when you are escaping your home because it's on fire, you're not thinking about fashion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're you like, get, well, maybe you want something to survive. Some people burn to death because they're not willing to go in the street naked. <laughs> Right. What are the numbers on that? <laughs> what are the stats? Twenty <laughs> percent. You fuck. <laughs> you little fuck. Uh, uh, yeah, 
it's 20% of people who die in fires are just afraid to be naked in the streets. So they'd <laughs> rather not show their gut. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why you got to take care of that tummy. It's, um, it's but yeah, cutting I, season. <laughs> it's time to trim down. Um, but going back to the question of, like, all of this falling under the heading of, like, it's hard to trust people in yeah. those vulnerable moments. But you have to when there's, like, some big crisis. Um, it forces you to, and then you kind of end up discovering mm. the value of connecting people with people in that way and depending on each other. But if you don't have to, it's tempting to not do that, to do things independently and to keep things under your control and within your radius. Um, mm-hmm. but there's an isol there's a, there's a, yeah, there's an isolation cost to living life that way. And I definitely experience it, but I think it's at, at the moment, like a lot of times putting myself out there is too threatening. And so it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to choose being alone over taking this social risk. Um, it just kind of depends on the mood I am. I'm in, I guess. Um, but yeah, when I'm feeling like more threatened, my fear is more heightened. It's easier to just default to like, well, I'll just do it all myself and I won't, rely on this person for that or this person or that because too often I've been uh, disappointed. Mm-hmm. But then I live in this world of expecting disappointment sometimes. Some things I expect disappointment and some things I expect better, I guess. <laughs> Do you have a list of what are the things you expect to be disappointed on? What are the things that mm. you are disappointed expecting to be disappointed that that seems like an oxymoron to me like disappointment happens when you didn't expect it right you just have a low expectation then because i think of yeah. disappointment as surprise sadness you have to have appointment in yeah. order to be disappointed <laughs> yeah yeah like you tell me that we're going to meet up for lunch at noon mm-hmm. and then you don't show up i'm disappointed because i expected you to be there at noon okay but so i couldn't expect to be disappointed if you say we're going to meet for lunch at noon yeah. and I don't show up, but you already have trauma around people not showing up for you. Yeah. In a way you kind of protect yourself. You leave yourself vulnerable to be disappointed as in the physical way of like, okay, this person didn't show up and now I'm dealing with that. But if you have that added layer of emotional protection where you're like, yeah, I'm going to show up, but I expect this person isn't going to come because I'm used to being stood up. Sure. I, I have a tag. I have an impression of you that is you're unreliable. So like I'm going to bring a book to keep myself busy. Thinking yeah. She'll probably be late or maybe not even come. So like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that like, it's interesting because you end up applying kind of like preemptive disappointment to yourself. And then in situations where you're proven wrong, the habitual distrust of others. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot of people have, I mm-hmm. think, especially if they have an unreliable parent or uh, romantic relationships where they're used to getting let down. They see, ah, oh, yeah, there's another person who's going to disappoint me. And they tend to feel more comfortable around those types of people. Right. Yeah. It, it confirms yeah. their worldview of people suck and are unreliable. And then when they come into contact with people who are reliable in ways that others haven't been, something feels off about them or like. Or you're not able to adjust your worldview because you're too, like, fixated on, well, I'm still going to just get disappointed. <laughs> I think there's this is a victim mentality. 
uh, which I adopt on certain things. I try, yeah. I recognize its limitations and I try not to, but sometimes I'm crafting a story of like people suck and look at how many people on Saturday, I called like five people in the morning and I was like, at a certain point I was trying to minimize the responses that I did get from people, people mm. who texted me back. I wanted to feel bad for myself. Mm. I wanted to think like, I wanted the number to be even bigger. I wanted it to be, I called 20 <laughs> people and nobody answered and nobody picked up. Yeah. Look at how abandoned I am. Yeah. I wanted to have that like poor me feeling like it, it would disappoint me to, for somebody to come through because yeah. now I'm attached to the narrative of, Oh, every, everyone sucks and I don't have anybody and I'm all alone. It's the rock in your shoe. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. How is it the rock in my shoe? What do you mean? Like you're, you want to hold on to that, un, that discomfort. Ah, it's that the rock that I belief. know is there and I don't want to take off the shoe. I, I like that I have this rock that I can Complain blame about. my problems <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's my such a good example. used to say you need uh, food, water, shelter, and somebody to blame your, something to blame your problems on. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only real <laughs> needs in life. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that moment. I'm really eager to transition off of my disappointment and air too. <laughs> I mean, just uh, people take air for granted. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, for sure. You know, food, water, air, shelter. Air you need before all those other things. Yeah. You'll die without air before you die without water, food, shelter. Something um, to complain to or about a pressure, a, a pressurized environment is one that we really take for granted. But mm. if you're not, at about one atmosphere, <laughs> that's even more important than air, <laughs> right? That'll kill you quicker. Yeah, yeah. If you're at two, you know, several atmospheres or no atmospheres, you explode, right? I guess. Before you'd run out of breath. You can hold your breath for yeah. about a minute, but you can't hold your skin onto your body if you're <laughs> in zero pressure. It's just so uncommon that people don't think about survival in a vacuum or survival at the bottom of uh, yeah, Mariana's trench. I, I choose to. You choose to? Okay, but I want to go back to Saturday uh, okay, for you. Okay, all right, fine. What do you feel like in this occasion or other occasions maybe yeah. where you had a similar feeling? Like, How is it serving you to maintain the poor me? mentality mm. it um poor me mentality how does it serve me i think it uh lets me know my anger it gives it makes mm. me feel like i'm right to be mm. angry yeah it helps like i have a theory that every person needs to feel every emotion every so often kind of like holidays you can't go the whole year <laughs> not having some kind of Easter spring celebration of like new life, you know, it, it, it'll mm. feel off and you'll, if you miss Easter for some reason, cause you're in a coma, you'll be like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to do my own Easter. <laughs> like I'm still going to have the new life celebration. I'm still going to have, um, the, the death celebration in October. I'm still going to, whatever the fuck Christmas is about whenever that happens, <laughs> I'm still going to buy a bunch of shit and feel, feel guilty about, you know, my ability to show up emotionally for That's people. That's exactly and try to, what Christmas is about. You I think, nailed it. I think Christmas is about making, it's about apologizing for your emotional unavailability for the people that you care about with expensive things. <laughs> <laughs> it I, certainly is now. I really think that that's the commercial world that we live in is like rob people of their ability to show up for each other in the ways that they need 
so that they will buy things to make up for that shame that they feel about that. Right. It's like, I haven't been there for you all year, but here's this bracelet because I'm thinking about you. Yes. But it's like, hmm. I mean, I guess it's, it's an exchange of one type of currency for another type. But if you care about someone enough to get them a thing, why can't that thing be your time? <laughs> because we don't have enough time. I think that's one of the it's issues. It's the productivity over... focus. It's the fucking American masculinized culture of uh, what, how does this fit into your spreadsheet? How does this look like financial or numerical success? Yeah. John Oliver uh, on his show last night had this great rant about uh, Donald Trump calling Modi the father of India. And Mm -hmm. he was like, you know, a father, right? Like the type of person who uh, doesn't show up for you emotionally or provide any kind of validation (laughs) like that, but gives everyone a ton of money and never really smiles at your accomplishments. So you have to spend the rest of your life convincing everyone around you that you're the best. And anybody who doesn't agree with that is a hole in your ship who needs to be eliminated and thrown in jail. A father. (laughs) That's amazing. He he just uh, deconstructed his idea of like where Donald Trump's insecurities come from based on his relationship with his father. Yeah. In like a 30 second. That's amazing. Thing like that. Yeah. But I think that uh, so many people can relate to that archetype. Yes. Of like a distant, preoccupied, unavailable, whatever, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, negative Mm -hmm. thing, father. (laughs) That's all I've got on that. (laughs) Okay. So the emotions are like holidays. And if you go a whole year without experiencing one, you just got to feel it. Like, I don't think that... A lot of people think that a good life is one where they're happy all the time or right. You gotta be sad. You gotta feel every color on the emotional color wheel. If one doesn't come up for like a couple months, something's wrong. I think Hmm. like a year with no anger. You're not acknowledging your anger. Yeah. Or like you just, you gotta find something to make. I think that like our bodies will, adapt adjust i started this theory looking at the sopranos tony soprano this character who like seems like he's got it made he's got everything you'd want and, you know lots of money power mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. um is haunted psychologically mm. and like if all of your basic needs are met i think you will find problems right psychologically like it's just my basic belief here is that Pain is inevitable. That's the one yeah. thing that you can count on no matter how good, no matter what you accomplish, there, you have to have pain. You really can't escape that. And you may not, you can, you can perhaps uh, distinguish between pain and suffering and you may not need to suffer as much right. as you do. That's sort of the Buddhist outlook. Mm-hmm. Of like there's guaranteed to be pain, but you don't have to add to it by d- dwelling and suffering. Yeah, your attachment to um, living a life without pain is what will cause the suffering, perhaps. Mm. So, like, yeah, your attachment to a pain-free living. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've read from Mark Manson's um, Everything is Fucked, his most recent book, is mm-hmm. pain is inevitable. The only thing you can choose is what type of pain you want and try mm. and pick pain that serves your values. The worst is just having your pain be out of accordance, like working a job where somebody's mean to you and you don't care about the job. 
Like mm-hmm. you would rather, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're supporting a cause, you're working in advertising and you actually think that consumerism is bad for the world and your boss is mean to you, then your pain <laughs> is not things. in accordance with your, yeah. Like if your yeah. boss is mean to you, but you're working for an environmental protection agency, right. you know, service, and that's your cause, then it's like, okay, the pain, the resistance that I'm getting from these oil companies, it's, it's all in line with your values. Yeah. And that's a good life is just one where your pain is in, feels like it's in service of your values. Then you have meaning, which is one of the five qualities of well-being, positive emotions, engagement, relationships, mm-hmm. meaning, and a sense of accomplishment. Mm. Perma. I learned this in a positive psychology class in Denmark, so... If you want to, if you want to, <laughs> if, if right now your goal is to be happy, consider uh, well-being as an alternative to happiness, that uh, happiness is just one fifth of well-being of the positive emotions part. I would also say that you can strive to create moments of joy. That's what well, oh. if you're looking for happiness, like, ah, but your, it's a lo- it's a your distinction term. is moments of Right. My distinction is, yeah, because happiness isn't this like, ah, we've we've checked all these boxes and then we get a happy ending. And that's just some continuous state that just goes on forever. It's not right. You have moments of joy. Know that all that joy is fleeting and it's it's always temporary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What you said about your choosing your pain. um, Was that good? (laughs) <laughs> oh, so good. Um, I'm, I'm good. It does matter to me. I, I do want to be told that I'm good by you. You are good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it it makes me consider the pain that I was describing about needing to relinquish creative control mm. and trust other people to carry out my vision. Is that pain in accordance with your values? I think so. I do think that I would be happier in general. Even <laughs> I would have more moments of joy <laughs> yeah. if I were able to more easily let things go and not mm. um, not take things on so much as like the be all end all of my identity as a as a human, as Morgan, as an artist, as money, as any mm. of these temporary filters or avatars through which I see myself. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's the Buddhist sort of non-attachment where it's not disinterest. It's not not caring about things. It's not not having a passion or a cause. It's setting yourself up and then not uh, rigidly having sort of almost an immature childlike idealism about how it's going to go down. You have to take some of the good and the bad. (laughs) I think I know the answer to this. It's coming to me. I think this is going to be good. What's the answer? Uh, I didn't know it was a question. (laughs) Well, I think I have a solution or or advice that I'm excited to remember for myself. Mm -hmm. The way to not get caught up caring about all these little things or the way to not Mm -hmm. be stubborn on... Issues that could be minor or the way to help yourself let things go is to care about a few things greatly Mm. and then all the other things don't matter so much. This is how Matt Stone and Trey Parker can show up to the Oscars in nightgowns on Mm -hmm. LSD and be like, fuck this award because they care greatly about their 
comedy in the stories that they tell in South Park. And they do, it means that the awards don't really matter. But to somebody mm-hmm. who's kind of like doesn't care that much about the thing that they're making, then the Oscars are a big deal and they have to you know, care about somebody saying something mean about their dress or their... Because the know, recognition matters more the than recognition, the thing itself. Yeah, yeah. And I think that people who really know their values and care greatly about a couple things are unfazed by things that fall outside of that realm of like, yeah, I, I don't give a fuck what color the curtains are. You just just get curtains or just, yeah. you know, I don't really care who my internet service provider is. I don't care what, you know, I have these two or three things and I, I've heard the advice uh, that it's a good idea to make other people eliminating the suffering of others or the well-being of others who you've chosen to care about one of your important values. Promoting the well-being, not eliminating. Right. Eliminating the suffering, Elim- promoting the well-being. What did I say? Eliminating, you said eliminating the, the suffering and well-being. So eliminating like, the suffering, comma. Yeah. <laughs> and the well-being. <laughs> the got well-being it, of others it, and it. eliminating their suffering is right, a, right, an easier right. way to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. I want to care about fewer things more. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, you've given me a good uh, goal for. My night is to just write what matters right now Mm. and make that a short list. Yeah. I think one of the things, one of the reasons perhaps that I have the struggles that I have, as I mentioned earlier, is, is that one of, I know that my pretty much number one value is authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so when, when there comes to be conflict, it's because it's the very thing it's challenging is my notion of authenticity. Mm. And so maybe I need to redefine authenticity within a, you know, more realistic conception of how my brand is realized. I'm always scared when people talk about being more realistic. Why? It uh, sounds like the death of hope. Hmm. What what's a more realistic definition of authenticity? What does that mean to you? Honestly, I I don't know. I think I tend to apply it quite um what does quite a black mean and white in an way. idealistic way then. Um so authenticity to me is representing things in a way that's natural, truthful, and unfiltered. Um for the greater cause of people seeing things for what they are and not mistaking like okay so for example you know the way that people curate their social media um is often quite inauthentic because it doesn't represent the full uh it's only the positive things or it's everything Mm -hmm. that it's it's you know when i'm on vacation or when i'm having a fancy brunch and it's not painting a full portrait of like what it's like to live my life. I mean, most people know at this point, I think that like, that's not an accurate depiction of someone's life, but, but there is certainly room for more authenticity in that portrait. And so I, I like to portray myself in a way that I feel is um, honest and encourages other people to be honest because it's, it's not all fun games. Yeah. Um, the reality for me has been that life is mostly painful. And I think that to ignore that 
to me feels inauthentic to someone trying someone who looks at me and thinks, Oh, surely this person must be confident, happy, whatever, whatever all the time. Um, why do they think that about you? It's feedback I've heard. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I've no always been confused by the, comes from? I've always been confused by the feedback that I'm intimidating. What, um, what, if you could step outside of yourself and be somebody else, pick somebody who might be intimidated by you and live their life real quick. What would be intimidating about you? Maybe the fact that I'm presenting myself, like showing up, trying things anyway. I also think that I've had pretty good luck as far as like most things I try, I am relatively successful at. Um, I don't know. I think I appear well-rounded. Um, I don't know. I think you have confidence. I think you have self-esteem that a lot of people don't like you're willing yeah. and, and you might argue with this. And I think that your ability to laugh at yourself when you do poorly mm. and do things anyway. And mm-hmm. that's something that holds people back from trying most things. So like you say, your willingness to try stuff, I think a lot of people live a life of uh, un, untested desires in their mm. imaginations because right. that's something that would be fun if I were a different person is what they yeah. often tell themselves. And I don't yeah. think that you're bound by that narrative as much as others. That's true. That's fair. I mean, I definitely but I think I do it almost to a fault where I throw myself into situations that are that are very hard for me just because I feel like I'm, I'm bound by that authenticity driver mm-hmm. of, well, I can't be a life coach and say that I want to sing and mm-hmm. not go for it in the best way I know how. And so here I am struggling because I'm living out two careers at once mm-hmm. and both of them are hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, but yeah, that's the choice I've made for myself. Um, Was that a good struggle? Is that one, do you like that pain compared to, would you choose another pain? I think the evidence that I wouldn't choose another pain is that I haven't. That's, but sometimes I, when but, I feel like I do right now, which is like, I, I'm definitely having a sort of regressed moment where mm-hmm. I feel much more subject to the, my challenging emotions. It's hard to maintain that assertion that that's the way to go. It's hard to say, yeah, I stand, I stand up for the way that I've chosen to live my life because look how happy I am. Not like <laughs> I'm struggling right now. Um, but I don't have I don't have an alternative because I do, I am so bound to my authenticity. Hmm. It's very hard for me to think of something where it's like, Oh, I should be living my life this way based on a moral code or, you know, what I've said, what I've told some, some advice I'd given someone else and then not do it. I, and then maybe that's something that I can look back, look, look at and go, okay, in what ways am I being inauthentic to something else by being overly a slave to authenticity in concept? Inauthentic to something else because you're overly authentic of, okay. Can I don't you, know. Do you have an example of that? Something that you're inauthentic about because you're trying to be authentic about something else? I think that, I think that one area where I am really suffering right now is trying to do too much. And mm-hmm. I continually give people advice to rest and take care of themselves and to prioritize their mental health. And I can say with a lot of confidence right now that I'm not prioritizing mm-hmm. my mental health. And 
that makes me sad. <laughs> As evidenced by the fact that I'm crying right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're mostly laughing. And laughing a little bit because it's very uncomfortable for me to cry helpful? live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I also am smiling because that's an authentic display. But in a way, I'm forgoing. It's hard to be. I guess what I'm saying is it's it's basically an impossible bind to try to be loyal to every single thing you care about every single minute of every day. And I think I hold myself to that impossible standard and then go, why am I crumbling under all this weight? Duh. What would a break look like? You know, when I was in grad school, um, my supervisor asked me, I told her, and you know, I just told my therapist on the phone today that it felt like I was on a treadmill. And I told my supervisor in grad school, I guess, holy motherfucking shit, like four years ago now, the same thing. I was like, I feel like I'm on a treadmill. And she said, what would it look like to step off? And and I looked like I do right now, which is like deer in headlights. Like, mm. what the fuck do you even mean? Step off, like suddenly give up everything. And um, I didn't have an answer then. And I have somewhat of an answer now, which again is like, sort of like what we were saying of like redefine your values get precise about what are the things that you do and don't care about what are the things you really can offload and i think this brings us to a great um way to mention this concept that we both really really love from our our bible right now which is the mm-hmm. art of empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> um carla mclaren straight from right? our god's mouth straight <laughs> Hi, Priestess Carla. <laughs> um, she talks about this concept of burning contracts mm-hmm. where um, the practice is to basically it's a visualization exercise where you imagine yourself uh, writing a, a script for a quote unquote contract you've made with someone else in a relationship. All the th- rules that you abide by in I this relationship. To release my album by the end of the month. Right. So things that you, things you've, you've told yourself, expectations, it can be anything. Um, I think it's powerful. I have to answer when this person calls, I have to call my mom once a week and talk Mm -hmm. for an hour, whatever the Mm -hmm. thing is that you think you have to do. A lot of these are unconscious and it takes some digging up. Exactly. And so the idea is to visualize yourself, uh, you know, writing out all of these rules that Mm -hmm. you have, everything that is implicit and explicit in this contract. And then you imagine yourself burning it. And writing a new script that helps you to um, basically reroute the relationship or the duty or the responsibility to not include the things that are bogging you down unnecessarily and to really get to the meat of what's the exchange happening here Mm -hmm. and, and what really needs to happen. And I think it's a process that is extremely eye opening as eye opening as it is kind of difficult to really practice because we're so used to just you know kind of trying to take it all on and trying to continue to operate under the same rules and regulations and i think i have a lot of i have a lot of burning to do mm-hmm. <laughs> with myself and others but it's hard because you've i at least i want to say you I, i'm not talking about some proverbial person me I have a very, very hard time with doing something that I think is going to let someone else down. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I know that the reason for that is that the consequences of letting down a very specific figure in my life were terrifying. And the threat was that everything that I need to survive will disappear if I disappoint this person. Um, and so it's, it's so you will perish. hard. Yes. And so I will perish. If you let somebody down, mm-hmm. that's still a belief somewhere swimming mm-hmm. around, uh, working inside of you. Yeah. Um, and then it becomes sort of a jumbled mess of I'm struggling to honor all of these contracts that I've previously written out for various reasons, which ones and what parts of which ones matter to me in this moment right now Mm -hmm. and not feeling beholden to the old ones just because that's how you've done it. Or it it used to be critical to your survival. Um, or it's just hard to speak up for a need for change. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you decide yeah. to burn some contracts or elements of them, do you feel like you can share that on a future podcast? Oh, absolutely. I mean, parts it, you want yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only reason I would say no is at the moment, just because some of this stuff is like, it's so raw. It's so live. It's yeah. what's happening to me right now. Right. And it's hard to see it mm-hmm. as clearly as you can from the rear view. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause right now it's like I'm driving the car at 90 miles an hour and there's a fucking cow six feet from the <laughs> six feet from the hood. Okay. Can you think in years past of a contract that you burned? And I know we should go soon. We're, we're coming up over an hour, but I'd love to just give an example of this. Sure. Well, do you want to give one? I mean, I've, I've been talking a lot about myself. Hmm. I'm happy to, but yeah, I've changed my name four times in my life. And I think that each time three okay. or four, let's see, I was little slimy baby, Bobby, <laughs> Joe, Bobby, Robert, Rob. Yeah. Um, I think each time that I told people, Hey, don't call me Robert anymore. Call me Rob. It was burning a contract with that old. I think that one was from high school to college. I had a, a need to be good. I had a need to be like composed and prepared and mature and responsible. That was an identity that Robert represented to me Mm. of like avoiding making a fool of myself, I think was uh, Mm. avoiding embarrassment was a a strong drive in me. And I wanted to let go of some of that protective ego, the ert part. So when I got to college, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be robbed. That's more relaxed. It's less responsible. And I think I, I burned a contract with myself that I had to be the best. Mm -hmm. I had to like get the best grades. I had to only do things that I was good at to a certain degree. Um, I gave myself more permission to fail and be a fool. The thing that really, uh, the, the situation that I was in that made me question who I wanted to be was I was on a bus where people were singing like 99 bottles of beer on the wall or something. Yeah. And people were singing loud and drunkenly and making a fool out of themselves. And I, I wasn't singing and I wanted to be one of the people who was singing. I didn't oh. want to be the person who wouldn't sing because my voice didn't sound good enough. I wanted to be one of the people who sounded bad and didn't care just for the act of doing it and wasn't beholden to that judgment of, well, if I do this thing poorly, I, I shouldn't do it at all. Right. Uh, and so I think back to like being on a bus full of people singing, 
there's often going to be one person who's the react, the straight man, as they call it in comedy terms, the person who's yeah. giving the side eye and is critical of the people being crazy. And I would rather be one of the crazy people. I just think that's more fun. And I'm going to die. And to always be the straight man is kind of a denial of death to me of like, mm. well, I have this thing to maintain and all of this is permanent. <laughs> so I better hold on. And now that makes me laugh. That's like, I used yeah. to think that it mattered yeah. how I look, how, like that there's some permanent record that that threat from school. This is going on your permanent record if you do this. And now I know there's no such thing as a permanent record. Right. There's a short there's a short term record maybe of 80 years uh, that some filing cabinet, maybe 100 years after I die, people will be able to look up things about me. But pretty quickly, it's all going to be forgotten and no one will ever say my name again. That second death is, is coming very fast. You know, the one where <laughs> you die when your body goes away and you and die. And then you the, suddenly become obsolete. No one knows who you are anymore. The, the second, no, the, there's like a, a time where people talk about you. And then at some point somebody says your name for the last time. Right, right, right. And that second death, pretty quick. <laughs> it's like, and it's not, I care about the life that I have while I'm here and a little bit about my legacy, but I, I'm trying not to live a life through how I am seen in the eyes of others and have that right. be my prime motivator for whether I sing on the bus or not is how are people going to talk about me when I'm not there? How, you know, that that's, that's living in a, another person's life. So that's a yeah. contract that I burned with the ERT on my name by asking people to call me Rob. I think that was a symbolic change. And maybe another one has happened uh, in growing out this facial hair. I feel like mm. I've, uh, let go of the version of myself that didn't yeah. that, that shaved meticulously yeah. that like was doing that type of grooming daily right i don't have to do that more than like once a week or so now i just let the sides grow in a little bit and then clean it up when should I we something. redraw the thumbnail to put the facial hair yeah i think so I give me that. like a curly let's let's make it villainous <laughs> <laughs> I have a monocle and a curly mustache yeah. and like a yeah. maybe an eye patch and because my hair has changed since i did that too yeah, sure. Let's. Um, we could redo it. We could. It would be a lot of work. It's. Uh, that I don't. I think there's need other priorities at the moment, <laughs> as we discussed in this podcast. I don't know if we need to do a rebranding just months after we did our last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, a few short months, maybe two, even. Maybe. It's probably um, two months ago. Yeah, I. It's really. It's interesting and inspiring to even hear that that version of you existed because you're so far from that now. I mean, you think I did. Did you think I overswung it? No. <laughs> Keep going. Keep... <laughs> no, okay. no, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Hey. Um, I think that many people in your life value you for exactly that, that you are the one who's willing to be silly and willing to be mm. out there and isn't just bopping along trying to be safe. And I Thanks. think, yeah. I think that that's one of the things that people notice about you right away I think and it's value my nature. about you. Yeah. I think it's something essential to me that school and parenting, you know, I'm not trying to say anything offensive to my parents, but just the parenting philosophy that was popular at the time of my upbringing was to like get, maybe it's necessary, get kids to conform a bit more, mm -hmm. get them mm -hmm. to like disconnect them from their essential selves. And then I just had to refine it go different places, try being different people, seeing where, where do I feel like I can relax and be me? And where are those situations where I don't like, who are the people who are going to tell me there's a rock in my shoe and that I walk funny. And then who are the people who are going to say, Hey, you walk funny like us. Or like, I love the way you walk. <laughs> That's a nice rock you got in there. 
Yeah. <laughs> My rock is made of plutonium. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just like instead of like a common rock substance, uh, just like, ooh, it's something zany. Yeah. That I assume would kill you very quickly. Maybe. <laughs> that would happen to Or Marie maybe it's Curie. just our imagination. The rock. That. Yeah, like just saying, like, well, maybe my rock is something more special than just a rock. Mm. It's a diamond. My rock. <laughs> well, just makes me think of a rap song. This has been the bad episode. <laughs> we hope we've thoroughly disappointed you. <laughs> it's It's been too long. <laughs> Here are our chief criticisms. <laughs> too long. Rambling. Rambling. We, we made you even, pay for the advice. We, this episode is going to be billed. <laughs> it's going to be 99 cents. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know when you press play, but you're going to get an email from Apple. Did you know that iTunes fucking waits the maximum amount of time to send you an email receipt? They do this intention. So there's a legal requirement that like within 48 hours, let's say, I don't know the actual time, but within 48 hours after someone makes an online purchase, you send them the receipt. And they they use the full time to dis you know get, put distance between the f- feeling yeah. of getting the thing and yeah. the seeing the money go away. Like if it was instant, this is a business strategy I've read yeah. that they do that other companies often don't. Like Amazon, you get right away, right, you right, get the right. receipt. You, you know what I think it is too. What I think a lot of times kids make purchases on adults' phones without oh, yeah. them knowing, yeah. and it kind of it'll. It, yeah, creates more you wiggle can't room. Punish where the you kid can, as mm-hmm. easily if if the adult knows immediately, then they can say, "Hey, give me that phone back." But if it's two days later, the kid isn't playing. You don't know exactly when the moment mm-hmm. was that they did it, and it's harder to punish a person mm-hmm. with that type of delay. Yeah, yeah. So wow, that's fuck, some fuck I don't trust institutions bullshit Dude, right there. It's scary. Who's going to break up these major corporations, the Apples and the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Googles? I don't know. You know, these four companies that are more and more controlling our lives, how we get things, how we even contact each other, how you're probably listening to this right now. If I would be startled if Google, Apple, Amazon or Facebook were not essential for you to hear my voice right now. (laughs) Right. We know they are. Could you do it without them? Think of a world where somebody uh, is listening to this without the involvement of those one of those four companies. I don't think we would have made a podcast if it hadn't been so easy to begin with because of those companies. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, there could be alternatives like fucking Linux <laughs> and AOL. Welcome to the Linux AOL-based podcast for advice. You know, <laughs> we didn't really need Facebook that much for this. I can say that. But... But Apple. I mean, we probably. How'd you get your mic? Amazon. Yeah, probably the same for me. I don't yeah. remember, but yeah. At least some of the cords, some of it came from Amazon. I send you the files on Google. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's recording on an Apple computer. And we push it out through Apple. I mean, iTunes. And, and the iTunes, iTunes is the main way that people is, listen yeah. to this. Yeah. yeah. A couple of you listen on Spotify. But still, that's still on an Apple device. Probably, right? And probably on an iPhone, you're listening to this. Some of you listen on Android, which is Google. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you rebels use Google. Yeah. (laughs) The lesser known Titan. You fucking green text monsters. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. 
No, it's really scary. I mean, they don't have to make the text look such an ugly, obnoxious color of green. <laughs> they could be just a, a slightly different shade of blue. No, but Apple specifically wants they to want alienate it. people that don't use their product. They should uh, have the phone release a fart sound whenever you get a text <laughs> from a person from Android. <laughs> oh, some, some shitty for person without Cheap. an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Lame. It just says whenever you get a text Poor. from an Android. Fucking loser. Cut this person out of your life. Don't airdrop them photos. Don't let them in on the group chat with you and your cool friends. They're going to green it all up. Oh, uh, yeah. Make everything all fucking green and you won't be able to follow their locations. or. And you don't know if they can see the emojis that you're using. No, they're just going to get boxes with question marks in it and be like, hey, can you explain to me what the... the was that a sex emoji? Uh, am I missing out on sex because I missed an eggplant? <laughs> I remember in college when I finally ended my resistance against getting a smartphone, getting an iPhone, yeah. was because I felt like I was missing out on pieces of culture, pieces yep. of being social with my friends because I couldn't use Snapchat. That's the whole fucking target the lonely. <laughs> That's, that's, the, that's the system. <laughs> Build walls between people and sell them your ladder. <laughs> yeah. Bernie, 2020. <laughs> Bernie's going to fucking fix it. He's going to take Zuckerberg by the balls. He's going to squeeze him until his eyeballs pop out of his head. And he's going to say, you need to fucking get your shit together Bring back my space. You need some competition. You need to stop fucking working with the Russians to get us those to, to, to spread misinformation. He's gonna he's gonna utilize it. Utilitize. U- utilitize. Yeah. He's gonna turn it into a public utility. I hope. That's what I think needs to be done with Facebook and other platforms that have a monopoly on spaces online. Is like this wouldn't be okay. We think of them as ours. Thank you.